Amen. Let's remain standing to honor God's Word. Today it comes from Jeremiah chapter 25. I'll be reading verses 1 through 7. The word that came to Jeremiah concerning all the people of Judah in the fourth year of King Jehoiakim, son of Josiah of Judah, that was the first year of King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon, which the prophet Jeremiah spoke to all the people of Judah and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem. For 23 years, from the 13th year of King Josiah, son of Ammon of Judah, to this day, the word of the Lord has come to me, and I have spoken persistently to you, but you have not listened. And though the Lord persistently sent you all his servants, the prophets, you have neither listened nor inclined your ears to hear. When they said, turn now, every one of you, from your evil way and wicked doings, and you will remain upon the land that the Lord has given to you and your ancestors from of old and forever. Do not go after other gods to serve and worship them, and do not provoke me to anger with the work of your hands. Then I will do you no harm. Yet you did not listen to me, says the Lord. And so you have provoked me to anger with the work of your hands to your own harm. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. The poet T.S. Eliot said this, he said, love, love is most nearly itself when here and now cease to matter. Let us pray. Lord, these words were given by you, they're your words that Jeremiah spoke so faithfully. Help us to be good listeners this morning, good hearers, hearers of your word. And so we, we humbly ask for your Holy Spirit to be our teacher and to guide us into your, your eternal truth. Amen. Well, we've come to about the midpoint of our sermon series on Jeremiah. Today, reading from Jeremiah chapter 25. Some have called this chapter, this passage, the final verdict. The people have not listened to Jeremiah. Uh, they have not changed their behavior, and now the sentence is declared. For 70 years, they will be sent into exile. Exile in Babylon, exiled to a foreign country. Their temple and their city will be conquered, will be destroyed, will be reduced to rubble. Many of its citizens will be taken away to a foreign land. This is God's judgment. This is the, the verdict for their behavior. It's really important for us to understand that this exile, these 70 years of exile, this is really central to the, 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 the character, the consciousness of the Hebrew people. Exile is traumatic and terrifying. Our sense of who we are is very much determined by the place where we are and the people we are with. When that changes violently and abruptly, we begin to have identity crisis. Who are we? Um, what will our identity be? What about our customs and our culture? Will that be lost forever? What? will become of us. Through the rest of Jeremiah, we're going to be spending time talking about this reality of exile. 
and what it may, means for this nation. But this morning, I, I want us to focus in on verse 3 of this chapter. Chapter 25, verse 3. Jeremiah says, For 23 years, for 23 years, the word of the Lord has come to me, and I have spoken persistently to you, but you have not listened. Jeremiah was at his post doing his job, preaching God's sermons for 23 years. And after 23 years, we discover that no one listened to him. Was he a failure? Was he just not an adequate preacher? If God knew he wouldn't be listened to, why did God send him on such a task in a vocation? You know, as I, as I studied this passage this week, it, it occurred to me late in the week, it didn't really dawn on me, but it occurred to me that I have been preaching most Sundays of my, the last, I've been preaching most Sundays for the past 23 years as well. And it made me wonder, has anyone been listening? I mean, really listening. Have my words really made much of a difference? God had a job for Jeremiah to do. And right now, it looks like it didn't make any difference. That must have been so hard. Surely God knew that this would be the outcome, so why did he send Jeremiah out to preach? When I was in the ninth grade, I attended camp, summer camp, Christian summer camp, and the speaker had this line that he kept repeating over and over again. He said, God has a plan for your life. God has a plan for your life. Now, back then, I assumed, and maybe I still am tempted to think this, but I assumed that meant if I said yes to God, that he would give me the good life. Success. This is how I defined the good life, success, happiness, comfort, influence, stature in the community, a good family. I could go on and on and on. These are the ways that we as a society collectively define the good life. And so I heard the message. God's ready to give you the good life. You just need to respond to him. Well, God called Jeremiah to a task, and Jeremiah did respond, but I can't find any evidence that Jeremiah had success, happiness, comfort, influence, stature in the community, or good family. Why would, call, why would God call Jeremiah into a, a vocational task if it, didn't, if it didn't provide for him the good life? Jeremiah found none of these things, and yet God had a plan for his life. You know, let's be really honest. We are a people who are very results-oriented. We are. If we're going to undertake an endeavor or a vocation, we need to see that it, make sure that it matters, that it has impact. For 23 years he preached, no one 
listened. Was Jeremiah a failure? No. Not one bit. But no one was listening to him. I mean, that's, that was his, he was a preacher. He was preaching the word and he was proclaiming it and no one was listening. Was that, we might define that as failure. And yet today, today we are listening to those very words that he preached. And there are churches all around the globe for thousands of years that have been listening to what Jeremiah said through God. God calls us to be faithful. God calls us to be faithful, and He also calls us to leave the results, the influence, and anything else we can describe to Him. To Him. He is the mover in this world. He makes things happen, not us. You see, God's plan for you and for me is for us to actually let grow of our dreams. Let go of our understanding of, of the neatly packaged good life and what that entails. His plan is that we let go of those. Let it go. And follow His lead. Presbyterian Scott, Pastor Scott Saul says this. He says, the call of Jesus is not to deny your neighbor take up your comfort and follow your dreams. That's not it. Eugene Peterson points out that right here in this verse, verse 3, is a word that can illuminate and strike a fire all at once, he says. The word is persistently. It's the Hebrew word hashkem, hashkem. For 23 years, says Jeremiah, God's word has come to me early each morning, and every night I have passed it on to you persistently. For 23 years, he wakes up in the morning and he listens and he hears what God is saying and he, he soaks it in and it, it becomes a part of him. And then he goes, he goes out and he tells the people persistently. He does it over and over and over again. He listened to God's voice. And for 23 years, the people slept in, went to brunch, watched football, and they did not listen persistently. But it didn't make a change in how Jeremiah approached his calling. He kept doing it over and over and over again. Peterson points out that there are 11 instances all throughout the book of Jeremiah, where this word is used to describe Jeremiah, persistent. He, he writes this, he says, does this, does this sound like a grim business, tough sledding? There is no question that it was difficult. We know Jeremiah suffered an enormous amount of abuse across the years. He faced mockery and rejection and imprisonment. He wrestled with stretches of discouragement and pits of despair and thoughts of quitting. What difference does it make anyway? Why not just adjust to the mediocrities of the age? And yet Jeremiah gets up every day, every morning, and starts over. Like it's a brand new day, a brand new message is coming, another opportunity to be in God's presence and to do what He has called me to do. 
He returns to his post. Setting aside results or returns, he was persistent in the knowledge that God had called him to do something. It wasn't his job to figure it all out or to understand all of it. But God says, I want you to do this. And Jeremiah did it. He is a wonderful model of persistence. Now, this can happen in any circumstance of life. This is really important. This model of persistence can happen in any place in our lives, in any circumstance. Even when you're yoked to a burdensome endeavor like Jeremiah, even when it seems like it's not doing any good, even when it seems like this is futile, or why in the world do I keep doing this? I don't see any change. Some of you are caring for an aging parent or spouse, and the days are long and hard. And they come one after the other after the other. And it's really hard to see change. It's really difficult to see that your care and what you're doing is doing much good or making much progress. It feels like it's been going on now for 23 years, and no one is listening. No one's noticing. But there, in the daily, every morning, we can be persistent. We can listen to God's voice. A few years ago, my mom lived next door to a man who cared for his wife for 20 years, 24-7. She needed constant care. He could not leave the house. Twice a day, he would open the garage door of the duplex, and he would walk outside the garage down to the end of the driveway, make a turn at the end of the driveway and back, and he would do that, all that that loop, for an hour or two hours to get some exercise. He was almost always turning. But he was so afraid of being away from her He would only go out to the driveway and walk. And I think about that. Can you be doing God's will in that circumstance? Can you be thriving when you have to care for someone 24-7 and every day is exactly the same? Yes, you can. Because every morning is another opportunity to wake up and say, God, this is your day. I'm connected to you. I'm going to be persistent. I'm going to trust the future and everything else to you. We can be persistent. We can hear about his mercies that are new every morning. There, our vocational calling can be fulfilled. And we can wake up in the morning and say, Today is a day when I can join the heavenly chorus. Because right now in heaven they are singing around the throne, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Every day we can do that. We can be a part of the heavenly chorus. You see, that is the definition of the good life. It's not external circumstance. It has nothing to do with success. Appearances have very little to do with it. It's, I'm going to make a decision to live in astonishment. And I can do that anywhere. Astonished at what God has done astonished at what God is doing and astonished at what God has promised to do in the future. 
That's the definition of the good life. And for 23 years, Jeremiah got up every morning and said, I want to learn more about God's Word. I'm going to faithfully go out and tell people. I'm going to do it over and over again. He wasn't concerned about results or making progress or making sure that things had to go his way. He didn't demand to God, hey, I've been doing my part. Now you do your part. I've been doing this. Now I need a vacation. I need a bonus. I need overtime pay. I need a better position. I need a higher title. I need a corner office. He didn't do any of that. He says, this is what I'm doing. Persistent over and over and over again, listening to the voice of God. Pastor James Mulholland tells the story of preaching a sermon one Sunday morning in a prison. As part of the service, he asked the men there gathered in that room in the prison if they would share their prayer requests. They mentioned their families, their struggles, their cases. And he writes this, he says, I, I close the time by asking the men to pray for a young girl in my church who was seriously ill. And then at the end of the service, a man stood up with tears in his eyes, and he said, thank you for asking us to pray for that little girl. It made us realize that you believe God hears the prayers of a criminal. He says, and also reminded me how blessed I am. Can you live the good life in prison? Can the good life be lived behind prison bars? You bet. You bet. Because God is alive and we are His. We don't carry the burden. God is in charge of fixing, of making everything turn out. The results are His. God's saving plan is in His hands. He, Jeremiah didn't quit. He trusted in that. You know, we do a, a lot of memorial services here at our church, and, and I stand here, Pastor Kirk, we stand here, and so we get to listen to a lot of remembrances. Um, and it's, it's fascinating and it's wonderful to hear people's stories. And oftentimes we hear about people, what they accomplished in, in life and the things they did, and, they, you know, and, and that's what we do when we do remembrances. Sometimes, you know, we talk about it, this person was this in business and had this uh, sports record or all kinds of things. We kind of go through all of those accomplishments. And that's what we do at a memorial service, and, and that's wonderful and that's important. But here's the hard truth about that. It won't be long before nobody remembers any of that. It won't be long before that is com- whatever that is, is completely forgotten. It's kind of a hard truth. You know what's infinitely more important than our accomplishments or what we did? Infinitely important at that moment in a memorial service is what God has done and what God has promised to do. And when we do a memorial service here at our church, we always end on that note and we say, but God. And grief is real. And the things we do in this life are important. But God is not finished. His character is so much infinitely more important than our character. His goals infinitely more important than our accomplishments. His promises are bigger than any of our commitments. 
Every day, we can wake up persistently and remember that truth. It's all about God. You remember years ago, there was a movie called Saving Private Ryan. Remember they went into German territory? They, they were charged, this, this group of soldiers were charged with, with saving Private Ryan because his four brothers had all been killed in battle. And they decided, you know, in this fictional account that they had to go in and get that one so that this mother would not have to have five, all of her sons killed. So they risk everything. I mean, they risk everything to go save this one. And at the end of the movie, there's, they find him. They're deep in, in enemy territory, and they find Private Ryan, and they're going to bring him home. But there's a last kind of fight and, and battle, and they're trying to protect this bridge. And this is a movie where the star is Tom Hanks, and his character is Captain Miller. And he's leading these men, and they get Private Ryan, and this battle ensues on this bridge. And at the very end, you see that Captain Miller is shot, and he's dying. And everyone, you know, if you saw it in the theater back then, that's the moment that where you're just crying. You just can't believe how this happened. If you haven't seen it, sorry to spoil it for you. It was a long time ago. But, um, yeah, it just happened. I mean, he's, everyone's crying. And then there's this dramatic scene where Private Ryan leans down. And he, he, he's kind of realizing that this man has given his life for his And then you hear Tom Hanks' character whisper to him, and he says, earn this. Earn this. Which meant, I've given my life for you. Now you go and you live a good life in response. You've got things to do now. Here's the best, best news in the whole world. You and I will never hear God say, now earn this. Never. When you look at the cross and we see Jesus hanging there, we don't hear him say, now you need to earn this. He doesn't say that. What we hear on the cross is, I've given everything for you. Everything. I volunteered for this. I chose this. You don't have to pay anything for it. Friends, His mercies are new every single morning. New every morning. Isn't that wonderful? He's done everything and he, all He wants us to do is be astonished at that. See, I think Jeremiah got captivated in those 23 years and every morning he woke up and I get to be reminded of that great truth. I don't have to earn this. I don't have to have success. I don't have to have large crowds. I don't have to make my life mean something. I just need to be astonished in wonder of what God has done and who God is. That is the definition of the good life. It has so little to do with circumstance. That can happen anywhere, in any season, in any time. Jeremiah was living the good life. His circumstances were tough at times, brutal. It pushed him to the limit, and yet he knew he was embraced by the living God. Eugene Peterson puts it this way. He didn't like any of it, but he wasn't afraid of it because the most important thing in his life was God. Not comfort, not applause, not security, but the living God. What he did fear was worship What Jeremiah did fear was worship without astonishment. 
religion without commitment. He feared getting what he wanted and missing what God wanted. What a waste it would be to take these short, precious, eternity-charged years that we are given and squander them in cocktail chatter when we can be, like Jeremiah, vehemently human and passionate with God. Does God have a plan for your life? Oh, yes. Oh, yes, he does. You bet. But let us be clear. It is his plan, not ours. And let's not confuse those. God has a plan for your life. His plan is that you and I, with Jeremiah, with persistence, will wake up every morning astonished. What a good God we have. Astonished at all God in Jesus Christ, all that He has done, all that He's doing, and all that He's promised to do. Let us pray. Lord, we are grateful for Jeremiah's persistence. There was so much evidence that his life didn't amount to much, that it was hard and difficult, and here yet we are talking about him this morning because it was your plan that was in action. Lord, help us to be daily faithful, daily astonished, live our lives in wonder. May we come to know that your mercies are so fresh and new. And may we come to see that we do not have to earn this, but it is a gift freely given. All this we pray in the strong name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.